Welcome back to another episode of Sips with the Tips, a podcast about savouring the sip, whether that's coffee, cocktails, whiskey, wine, or whatever. My name's Nikki. I'm Daniel. And we are the Tips. Welcome along to episode five of Sips with the Tips. Hard to bloody believe it, but we've been going more than a month now. It's flown in. Hasn't it? Have we gotten any better? Probably not. No, I don't really know. Maybe just more confident. <laughs> that might be a bad thing. <laughs> the verdict's not out. Look, uh, the last seven days, the week, it's been uh, it's pretty non-eventful really, hasn't it? Mm, just average, working away. Yeah, living, just living you know. life. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I would like to bring up though, and I, this is where again, I wish I had the wee, uh, the wee bell, the something to ding or buzz or something because uh, we've got another drooly face entry into my tasting journal uh, once again another wine once again from Forest who I'm going to give a quick shout out they are not paying me to say this they haven't given me anything free or asked me to say this just worthy of a shout out was over in Blenheim earlier in the week on Wednesday in Marlborough. Some, Marlborough had some time on my hands so I thought bugger it I'll swing by and say hey uh, picked up two bottles got a bottle of Simeon which we've not had yet and a bottle of Le Grain which is a an Italian grape yep. that we've not had before nope. and it ended up being bloody delightful wasn't it absolutely beautiful yeah exactly yeah. what I look for on a red wine it yeah. was like quite jammy full bodied mm. yeah I think the way they described it was like a Pinot Noir with a little bit more body, and I definitely got that. It had like a nice kind of florally, jammy kind of flavour. Really, really big fan of that. Again, they didn't ask me to say this. I bought those bottles outright, paid for it with my own money, but I just want to shout them out. Fucking fantastic wine they make over there, and I'm looking forward to trying more stuff in future. We'll move on. Very pleased to have another Drooly Face entry into the diary. Uh, today's episode, we've got a, a couple of drinks on the go for today for our Sunday sip. Not just the one. We're going back to whiskey once again today, and we have pulled two of them out of our um, <laughs> rapidly expanding uh, cupboard of drams. Both of these ones, though, I uh, mentioned them last week, I think. They were both birthday gifts. They are both from an Irish distillery that is uh, very close to Nikki's heart. Uh, both with different cask finishes, which is kind of why we're pulling them out for today's episode, and we'll get to that reason. One of them bourbon, one of them port, which I think I've mentioned before. It's one of my uh, one of my favourite drinks of choice. Nikki, today our Sunday sips are so we have two variations from the Steamship Collection from Bush Mills. Mm-hmm. We have port and char bourbon. So the Steamship Collection was launched by Bushmills to mark the 125th anniversary of the maiden voyage of the SS Bushmills. And they have released each range to kind of reflect the influence of some of the lands encountered on the course of the ship's journey. So they've got a rum, port, sherry and bourbon. And as Daniel mentioned, today we will be having the port and the bourbon, both of which are bottled at 40%. Yeah, and there's a reason that we've plucked out two whiskies, um, particularly from the same collection for the basis of today's episode, because today, for our main topic, we're going to talk about pretty much why you should double park your drinks, or, or to make it sound a little bit fancier, why you should try tasting drinks side by side, what's known as, I think a bit more formally, uh, comparative tasting is the term they use for that, isn't it? Yeah, why to double park just sounds like we're encouraging excessive drinking, Yeah, we're, we're absolutely we not. we definitely are not. <laughs> Probably should actually state that. Yeah, maybe we've caveat never, that. We've never formally said this uh, throughout the podcast, but at the end of each episode, we always end the episode with sip sensibly 
savor the sip and sip sensibly is a message that I suppose we we probably should make a bit more of a mention of we do want to encourage people to enjoy drinks but do it in a responsible way so when we're saying double park we're not meaning neck a couple of drinks we'll get to the reason why you should try double parking soon throughout the episode later uh, we've also got some news and some cracking headlines today Nick TikTok is encouraging people to spice up their rosé Corona has just brought out a new can that talks to you and the UK's cask share has taken a little dig at big old Boris. (laughs) I love this story. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, We've also got some feedback from the last episode. So uh, episode four ended up being quite a lengthy exploration of peated whiskey. We got... (laughs) A bit too lengthy, probably. Yeah, we got a wee bit carried away on that one there. So thank you if you did listen to it and stick with us through that episode. But following the episode, we had a couple of questions on the topic of peated whiskey. Basically, we wanted to know, are you in favour of it? And the first question we had... So we did a thumbs up thumbs down poll on Instagram and we got a kind of two to one response of 67% saying yes and 33% saying no. Yeah, so very simple question, just are you in favour of peated whiskey? I think it was just quite simply peated whiskey, yes or no, wasn't it? That's kind of the response though I thought we would get a bit of a two to one you know it is quite polarizing so there's a lot of people that don't like it but hits the spot for many and off the back of that question we then asked and i'm trying to remember the wording i use it was something about uh for the peat heads which i was quite proud of um what's your go-to peated whiskey and we got actually quite a few responses on that one there a lot of love for bonahaven which is an isla distillery um I do wonder if maybe that was influenced because the picture I put on that poll, I actually had a picture of Bonahaven Distillery. So maybe All that, subliminal signals, yeah, maybe. Yeah, possibly something like that. Uh, Ardbeg Wee Beastie got a shout out, which doesn't surprise me. A lovely wee dram, that one. Uh, someone messaged and said Octomore, which I was glad to see in there, but they said, um, I can't remember what the release was, which kind of with Octomore, if you don't know that dram, it is sort of crucial information because the, the, pe- the peatiness of that changes uh, release to release. Some are extremely peat and some are a little bit more mellow, but they generally say, oh, always more. a banger, though. So yeah, yeah, you can't really go too yeah. wrong with it. And uh, <laughs> I included this one; it's not really in favour of peated whiskey, but it did make me laugh. Uh, thank you, Gary, for the honesty. It said a big night on Lefroig ruined peated whiskey for me forever. He says I could taste it for about a fortnight afterwards. <laughs> which look, if whiskey hangovers are never fun, right? But peated whiskey hangovers are just a whole other. Kettle of fish, oh, right? Oh, Gaz, like we feel you on yeah, that one. <laughs> you feel like you've like sucked back six cigars or something like that. Not a lot of fun. Anyway, we're going to move on. We're going to get our Sunday sips uncorked, poured out, and let's get into it. Okay, so two drams poured out. We have a glass with the Bushmills port cask finish and a glass with the Bushmills char bourbon cask finish. Nikki has the char bourbon, I've got the port cask, and what we're going to do is we're going to run through our usual Sunday sip format, trying each of the different liquids ourselves, and then halfway through this we're going to swap over, and that's where the whole comparative element comes into But We'll get to that when we get to it. For now, do you want to tell us a little bit before we start, Nick, about Bushmills? So Bushmills was granted a license to distill in 1608, making it the oldest licensed whiskey distillery in the world. Mm. Bushmills is made, matured, and bottled on site, and it is the only place in Ireland that still does this. 
Both of these liquids are traditionally triple distilled and the bourbon is matured in first fill char Kentucky bourbon casks and the port is aged in ruby port pipes. Yeah, so port pipes, uh, just to clarify, that's anything from, I think it's 350 litres up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of amongst like the biggest casks, usually around the size of a butt, which sounds like it's like the lead to a joke, but a butt's just another type of cask. If I you're touched not, the butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nice. Okay, so we'll just run through our Sunday step as normal. We'll start off with the presentation, and I want to focus on this a little bit more than we usually would because these two bottles in front of us, or rather the two uh, boxes slash packaging in front of us, despite being from the same steamship collection, both significantly different. The Bushmills port cask is in a nice box that opens up. I just grab that, uh, you know, kind of like a book style, and inside uh, a beautiful, a beautifully presented and packaged uh, seven hundred ml bottle. Whereas the Bushmill char bourbon cask is in a tin, a tin that you open it up and you pull out a liter bottle, which is unusual. Two bottles from the same collection, both packaged significantly differently and actually quite a different price point. Too. Yeah, I was about to say you would kind of expect the port cask to come in a little bit more of a bougie packaging because it is almost double the price point of the bourbon. I think the port is around £99 mm-hmm. or they're about 200 New Zealand dollars mm-hmm. and the bourbon is £55, so maybe just over $100. And I mean, these guys know the market, right? So they're just they're pricing it based on where they see the demand. Port cask is probably a little bit harder to come by. I know there's not many whiskies that have port cask finish. Yeah. The only other one that kind of springs to mind is the Belvini, which I think is about $450. Like quite yeah. ex- apparently beautiful, but quite expensive. A lot so. of other port cask finish I've seen has been much pricier than that, so that's mm. actually quite a good mm. price um, yeah. for that finish. Yeah, very affordable. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to touch on that because it, I found it quite unusual that from the same collection both packaged quite differently, but look. Well, the packaging format is different, yes, but the branding application and the story told on them is exactly the same. Yeah, okay. Well, let's move on to that then. If we sort of talk about the way that it's designed, um, both have the nice kind of gold foiling around the traditional Bushmills logo, uh, both tell you a little bit about what the kind of liquid is involved and a bit about the history of the SS Bushmills. Both have a picture of a ship on the front and a nice label that says the Steamship Collection. Uh, the port cask in particular, you want to tell us a bit about the inside of that? Yeah, so as Daniel mentioned, it's a bo- box that you kind of open like a book and then it's got a bit more of an in-depth story about the the steamship and sort of where that ship encountered the flavor profile that comes from uh, a port cask finish and then yeah the bottle's presented like a it's like in a little mini case or something like that if we talk a bit about the bottle um bushmills like not to talk down on bushmills at all because they do some wonderful stuff but the i find the bottle to be I'll be I'll be honest with you, quite boring. It's just super traditional. It's just yeah. I've got nothing against it. It's just it's super traditional and they play on the oldest whiskey distillery quite a lot. What is it? I think they their one of their taglines is something like first to do it, second to none, like always triple distilled kind mm. of thing. Mm. But they play on that heritage so much that it makes sense for them to have something that is quintessentially an Irish whiskey presentation. So I'm just looking around this bottle. This is the char bourbon cask. They mentioned 1608, the year they were founded, four times on this bottle. 
Well, it's quite so, the claim to yeah, fame. Yeah, oh, no, definitely. But it's something they're really, really doubling down on. Which Sorry, is I feel cool like I'm going to gonna defend Bushmills like till I die. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that's the bottle. Um, look, not really too much to say about it. The packaging I find interesting. The bottle kind of doesn't make me feel any certain way. But look, let's move on to the liquid. Do you want to touch on the char bourbon cask finish first? Yeah, so it's um, quite light, actually. Beautiful, golden, moves really cleanly through the glass, doesn't drag much. Sort of just everything you'd expect from a a standard Irish single malt. Yeah, and when you put these next to one another, when we move on to the port cask, it's like significantly darker. You can really see the influence that the port cask has had on it, Um, like shades and shades darker. We'll probably get a photo of this, pop it up on Instagram or something like that. But um, yeah, really, when you look at them side by side, you really wouldn't think they were the same kind of liquid just done in a different I mean, cask. one's kind of like banana and one's like orange. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, much like you said, the port cask, it sits beautifully in the glass. It sits uh, not too thick. Uh, 40%. It's got a bit more, though, than the, yeah, the bourbon. A touch more drag, but I really like the color of it. It looks like it's kind of more aged than I think it probably is. Both of these... Um, non-age statement but uh what's the minimum three Three years years and one day three years and one day so i mean just because of the cask finish it looks a lot older than it probably is but looks tasty happy with it you want to try nose in that one Mm. it's really mellow on the nose really really mellow getting a little bit of honey melon yeah i'm just getting super fruity nice and light nothing punching me it's not even like you know the way sometimes when you nose a whiskey and it always like catches in the back of your throat mm. probably given the abv of this is um it's only 40 isn't it mm, quite so friendly it's, but it's yeah it's just like gentle yeah do you want to fire into your port i feel like i've got my nose in a glass of port it brings that flavor and that aroma so well it's quite like raisiny spicy Kind of exactly what you would hope from a port cask finish. Like in a blind tasting or something, you would know immediately if you're a port drinker, that's a port finished whiskey. It smells beautiful. I'm very, I'm looking forward to trying. You I, just love port, I, don't I, you? I am you a fiend for man. it. I'm a fiend for it. Uh, I've already mentioned, like, we've tried these before. I think I mentioned it last week. This one here I tried and immediately drew the face in the, in the um, tasting journal because I'm, I'm a sucker for port but look we'll give it a go I don't want to talk too much about it Uh, do you want to taste your char bourbon first tell us what you think I'll have a go of the port and here I go gorgeous I do really like this one yeah just like super mellow a little bit desserty kind of getting those sort of vibes tiny tiny amount of spice a bit like a ginger biscuit like a ginger snap okay you know, like, have you ever had ginger log at Christmas? Yeah. I wonder if that is that spiciness coming from the char, do you think? Potentially. It's still, like, super clean. And I feel like you get that a lot with Irish whiskey, especially, like, when it's the triple distillation. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's but the it just, notable thing it's about like, it, right? It's quite deserty. I'm yeah. feeling like ginger yule log. Right, I'm firing into this one. Mm. In a word, beautiful. Moorish. Carries the port flavour beautifully. Uh, it's got that kind of raisiny desserty kind of sweetness is like honey definitely in there it's it's extremely sweet it carried the aroma of the port well i think it carries the flavor of the port even better i'm tempted to go into the cupboard grab a glass of port and just try them side by side and see how much <laughs> different actually the whiskey adds to it because it, it, it it's it's quintessentially port flavor it's yeah it's really really good i enjoy that one a lot yeah, I think for a, an affordable entry-level port cask whiskey, that is sensational. I'm dead curious to know, though, what is, uh, what's Bushmills telling us? So on the nose for the port, 
honeyed maltiness joined by warm port sweetness and woody vanilla. I hate when a finish describes <laughs> it, say, you know? It's just a it's cop a out finish. to say warm port. I mean, I know I did exactly that. I was just like, yeah, it smells and tastes like port, but. Cop out. I mean, they're not wrong. Like, and, I just yeah. feel like the experts should articulate further. Yeah. So that was on the nose and on taste. A complex and robust whiskey with almond tones followed by damson and dark chocolate ending with honey and praline. Okay, I definitely get the honey. Praline Praline sounds yum. Yeah, not so much. I I don't really know much about damson. Dark chocolate, I'm not sure. I'm going to have another wee slug and see what I think. (laughs) And finish is a long warm finish of leather, port and coffee. I've done it again. Tastes like port, which, yeah, fair enough. I said that too. And you know what? They're absolutely spot on. It does taste like port. I don't know what more to say about it. Yeah, but what does leather taste like? Leather is a listed note on so many whiskeys, and I always am like, who's eating leather to find this out? <laughs> Not me. I think it's the smell of it translates to the taste of it. But like, anyone. what are we talking about here? Like a biker that's a bit too hot <laughs> on a sunny day, or like like a cowboy in chaps, or like me sweaty in my leather jacket. Hey, just like with uh, with with peated whiskey, maybe there's difference. To, you know, there's there's layers to trying different leathers. I'd like to understand that further. Let's move on. What's um, the what's the bourbon telling us? <laughs> so the bourbon on the nose, honeyed malt aromas with toasted oak and subtle vanilla. Definitely kind of got that taste. Rich and mellow with delicious creme brulee, toffee apple, and freshly baked biscuit flavors. I wonder if that's kind of well. You said ginger, ginger snaps. I wonder yeah. if that's kind of the toffee apple sort of thing playing into that. Carry on. And finish maple syrup and light oak with a long, rich, and smooth finish. They really it's definitely sell smooth, them. but I didn't get mm. long. They sell them well, don't they? They make them sound quite Moorish. Oh yeah. Well, so- they just basically describe like desserts. With the odd random fabric thrown yeah, in there. which speaks to me, someone with a, a very sweet tooth. So now at this point, what we're going to do is we're going to take our individual whiskies and we're going to reach them across the table and basically just swap glasses because the basis of today's episode is a bit about what's known as a comparative tasting or trying two liquids side by side. And the logic behind this is that it will help to accentuate the differences between the two drinks. Uh, Some people might call this uh, a double parking. Yeah, which sometimes has a little bit of a negative connotation with (laughs) it because you look like you're getting on it for the night. Yeah, But it is a really, really helpful way to expand your palate and sort of be able to identify those really close flavor profiles Mm. but once you have them side by side you're like ah yeah it can be very difficult especially when you're kind of starting out like experts can do this easily but to pick notes in isolation can be quite difficult and trying them side by side is just a different way to help them jump out a little bit it's quite hard to articulate exactly kind of how it works but the example that i gave i think an episode or two ago is is my own experience with coffee yeah so i was trying coffee I wasn't really picking up any distinct flavors as I was going from bean to bean. And then someone suggested try two of them side by side. So I started buying my bags two at a time, brewing a couple of coffees at once, and then going from one to the other. And you'd notice that the difference between the two beans was quite pronounced. And I think it's just a brilliant way to, again, just expand your palate. Uh, Particularly helpful as well when you've got two quite similar products. Yeah, so... For example, even if you did like a comparative tasting of two peated whiskies, then all of a sudden you're able to taste the difference in the smoke, sort of like, is it dry or is it like coastal? Like all of these notes that you're reading 
all of a sudden make a little bit more sense yeah. when you're having it right beside something that's super close and it just helps you articulate in your own mind and how you understand these flavors as well i think what is quite beautiful with comparative tasting is when you take two of pretty much the same liquid which i suppose we've kind of done today we've got two bushmills triple distilled spirits and it's going to really accentuate the the difference that a wood finish can have on it another one that works quite well is two of the same wine yeah but from different years so say we take a um uh, a Forest Lagrange from yeah. 2020, and then compare that to the Lagrange 2021, and see what the differences were, and how much you know a different climate can impact the grape at the end of the year, kind of thing. It just can really help to highlight those differences. So, look, we've swapped over. We, you've said what you thought about the char bourbon. I've said what I thought about the port. Let's toast, have a wee sip, and see what we think of the opposite. Immediately raisin on the port. So sweet. And I really get what you meant about the sweetness on the char bourbon. That The honey jumps yeah. out like crazy after the port. I get that little bit of vanilla. I think your note said subtle, and it, it mm. definitely is subtle. It's it's hardly there. I get like a kind of gummy bear sort of thing going on. Like there's oh. a real sweetness that's hard to place, but it's mm. it's tucked in at the back there. So on the palate, what jumps out? What jumps out is I feel like I'm eating a chocolate from a really bougie box of chocolates. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Maybe it's because I'm thinking about praline, but I just, that could be a little seashell made on of this, chocolate. On your char bourbon, I think the first time I tried it, I got a lot of banana. I don't get that at all this time, but I'm definitely getting some kind of like pear or some sort of fruit. And otherwise, just the only word that springs to mind is dessert. It's really sweet and quite mm. Moorish. I'm getting a lot of almond on this, mm. like almost like amaretti kind of. First time I tried this, I wasn't a massive fan, but actually like after trying the port, this actually sits quite beautifully. Can we just do a comparative comparative and swap back yeah. over again, just out of curiosity? Just to flag as well, we are tasting these neat. We are not adding any water to them. And that's purely just because it's already a 40% ABV, super palatable. And super smooth. Super and smooth. And generally, a lot of Irish whiskey doesn't actually lend itself that well to water being added to it because it is that little bit more mellow. The viscosity just doesn't react well when you add that in, for, mm. for our palates anyway. Mm. I've got to say, both these drinks complement each other quite well. Oh, I got banana, actually, just as you said that, just whenever mm. I, I took a swig back, I got banana on the nose. Mm. Really nicely, actually. I love banana. So, quite an interesting wee experiment with the Bush Mills there. And I suppose a couple more things we should say about uh, doing a comparative tasting or a side-by-side tasting is, uh, look, in this instance, we've picked two, but actually the more the merrier, right? 100%. The more the merrier, the like better flavour profiles you're, you're mm. able to pull out. Yeah, I think there's a reason that, you know, flights of whiskey come in what, fours fives or and fives. Sixes. Sixes, yeah, yeah, wines as well. The more you try, the more different flavours will kind of jump out to you and the more experience your palate will get across the course of those. Yeah, all of a sudden your dates are going to start tasting way different to your raisins kind of thing. And one note that I I put in in here that it's a contentious one, but I just put the word spit. Some people might choose to have a spittoon. This is very popular with wine tasting because if you're doing a day particularly of wine tastings, it can go to your head pretty quickly. So, you know, if you want to keep level-headed throughout that process. Some people will choose to have a sip and spit it into a wee wee bucket. I don't know if people are doing that with whiskey. I'm sure they do. Absolutely not for me either. But look, just saying that's an option available to you. That's blasphemous. You're spending that much money on something. I'm going to drink it all. The final thing we want to say about uh, doing these comparative tastings is 
immediately you might think, look, a couple of red flags with doing this. First of all, it sounds extremely cost prohibitive. It sounds like to be able, you know, to get two, three, four, five whiskeys, wines, whatever it is, to be able to drink them side by side, that requires quite an investment. And it may turn out that one or two of those whiskeys you don't actually like. So there is a more fun way to do it. And this is something we did quite a lot of um, in the UK. Yep. So basically make more of an event of it. Mm. Get some pals involved. And then all of a sudden you're only buying one bottle and it's one bottle that you think is interesting and everyone is doing the same thing. So if you've got, we used to have a group of what, maybe like six or eight different people and you'd give a theme for the evening and everyone would bring a different bottle of whiskey. Yeah, so and you this, just taste everything. This started off uh, with uh, the running club that I was part of in the UK. Shout out to the EH3 Milers. <laughs> I don't know if any of them are hearing this, but shout out to them. Uh, within that running club, we found a few of us that were quite into whiskey. And we thought, well, let's bloody put on a whiskey night. But rather than someone raid their alcohol cupboard, thought, let's do this a bit more kind of um, socially. Let's each buy a bottle. And I think we set a particular theme. So it might have been whiskey specifically from... From the Speyside region and we each brought a whiskey that we thought was interesting we swapped notes beforehand to make sure we didn't get the same one and throughout the night we kind of went around the table and we presented the whiskey that we brought we gave a wee story behind it uh, poured it out tried it and then moved on to the next person really social fun way to get it was really cute uh, as well because you got to see like people's kind of interpretations of the whiskey and when they were presenting they're like I chose it because of this yeah. because of this I yeah. just yeah yeah, and we did all kinds of themes. I think we did one where we broke down regions. So we had someone bring an Isla, Speyside, Highland, Lowland, for example. We did one where we paired it with food. So in that one, I can't remember exactly what was brought, but I brought along a Japanese whiskey and a block of dark chocolate to kind of emphasize how the mm. that particular whiskey brought out the dark chocolate notes. Um, you can have a lot of fun with it. Uh, <laughs> I think the best example we have, and this one ended up getting a little bit loose, um, sometimes we had multiple people turn up. I think this one had like eight or nine so suddenly we had a lot of whiskey quite a lot of whiskey to try and for some reason this one ended up i think it was around easter and, and a chocolate pours as well a chocolate we bunny made yeah. an appearance which was just the most bizarre thing do you want to talk about was it that? not was it not beheaded with a hot knife yeah it, yeah it was definitely not health and safety for some regulated. reason someone i don't want to name names someone brought along a chocolate bunny and at some point, and this would have been six or seven whiskeys in, uh, and this kind of just emphasises how these things can get quite loose quite fast without the use of a spittoon. <laughs> Someone decided that's our vessel for the evening. Um, this is obviously pre-corona times when we didn't think about those things. Uh, someone took the head off the chocolate bunny and then we passed that around we all drank whiskey, whiskey out of it. And it was actually quite tasty, but the chocolate yeah. was a little bit burnt because I do think it was a hot night. And of course, as it got passed around person to person after a few drams, you got very warm hands. It started melting. It was a very bizarre situation. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't be okay now. But... No, no, but a lot of fun. And I, I guess that's the thing we want to emphasize with the comparative tasting. It's very easy to take something like getting a range of whiskeys or wines or coffees and the drinks industry is just, I'm not going to mince my words, it's shrouded in wank, right? It takes itself a little bit too seriously It does, and the moment that you line up multiple wines and start being a a quote-unquote connoisseur, it just, it turns just so self-absorbed, so fast, but it's an industry that just should be fun, right? Drinks are 
looseness, right? You're meant to have fun when you're having a drink. It's meant to be, you know, you bring them out for celebrations and happy times and, and with mates. And I think when you bring multiple drinks together and do this comparative tasting, it should be even more fun. It should emphasize that experience. Is that right? A hundred percent. I hate the wankery involved in it. And I think that's what makes the industry so scary because it's just not, it's not made accessible and people, you know, you're made to feel like if you have fun with it, that that's not how you're supposed to enjoy that. It's meant to be something that's refined and fancy when it's like fuck that (laughs) it's just meant to be a bit of a laugh so look if you can take one thing away from this episode get a group of mates together go out and buy a bottle of wine each bring them together do a comparative tasting and have some goddamn fun with it you'll start real fancy and then it'll just get better and better Time now for our booze and brews news, the part of the show where Nikki brings us some headlines from the week. We've got some cracking stories to share with you today. Nikki, what's making news? Everyone is adding jalapenos to their rosé, and here is why. So TikTok has revived this old trend, although I'd never actually heard of it before, but I'm kind of keen to try it, to be honest. And it is basically adding jalapeno peppers to your rosé wine. And in a sweeter rosé, adding a slice of jalapeno can result in a greener, crunchier note with a peppery spice, which could make the wine more refreshing and prove desirable for it. However, in a drier style of rosé, a sliced jalapeno could overpower the flavour, but a lot of people are getting quite experimental with it, and there is a trending hashtag of Spicy Rosé 2022. You know, my head's um, racing right now because I'm pretty sure in our fridge we have a bottle, and again, I'm going to shout them out, Forrest uh, sold us a rosé back uh, when we did our tasting there a few months ago. That was particularly sweet. I'm going to try this. And we've got a jar of jalapenos. I'm going to wait until the summertime because I don't really believe in drinking rosé in the wintertime. 100% summer, yeah. We'll put a wee slice of jalapeno and maybe just one glass and just report back on it in future and see what we thought of it. TikTok has quite a lot to answer for because one thing that I've seen this week, and I think this is also uh, TikTok's responsibility, coffee is starting to get mixed with a few things, right? And some people have started mixing coffee with citrus, uh, lemon, Mm. which can help to bring out certain notes. I completely understand that. Fine, coffee tonic with lemon, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're saying that the big trend this summer, mind, we're in winter, so this is more the US and the, the Northern UK. The Northern Hemisphere, yeah. Uh, the big trend for coffee is now adding espresso to a glass of orange juice. Ooh. Yeah. I read that and I was like, nah, not for me. But then I watched a couple of videos. I was like, kind of want to try that. Like, I like an espresso tonic, but orange? Yeah. So again, we'll try it. We may need to get involved. we'll report back. What's up next? So the MD of Jägermeister has predicted that the cold brew trend will hit the UK sometime soon. So Jägermeister for a while has been trying to move away from its classic (laughs) Jägerbomb, which kind of came to the forefront about 10 years ago. Ago and <laughs> although it sells so well uh, it for serves them, a purpose, but serves like, a purpose. Purpose ran out for me ten years but ago. They are trying to push their new uh, cold brew fusion as a shot serve at minus 18 degrees. Mm -hmm. So they have said that cold brew coffee is probably a niche that people in cities are super aware of. It's massive in San Francisco and New York, but they think it will be coming to the UK soon. Mm -hmm. So potentially kiss your Jaeger bombs goodbye. Good riddance. Corona is now giving away beer cans that play Snoop Dogg quotes. (laughs) The collaboration you never knew you needed. Um, 
So these are actually sleeves for cans, which feature a miniature built-in speaker that play positive affirmations from the voice of Snoop Dogg. So Snoop has said that he is excited to share his words of wisdom with fans and help them make sure their vida is always más fina. And if anyone can get Corona to make a Snoop can, Snoop can. I wonder is that, is this a bit of positive PR off the back of having the unfortunately named beer that they do? Corona, yeah. yeah just I feel like their stocks must have taken a dive in the last oh, couple of years. Oh, Corona sales plummeted. Even when you put this story in, I saw the word and I was like, oh no, let's not talk about that. Oh, okay, it's beer related, that's fine. It's just, I feel like they've got to do something to keep that brand image nice and positive, right? And as you say, if, if anyone can do it, Snoop's your man. What's next? So the UK's cask share has announced the release of a blended malt to commemorate the UK Prime Minister's resignation, mm, which came riddance. this week. And it is called The Big Lie, The Dishonest Blended Malt. Love that. So the details of the whiskey are classically muddled on the label with information like maybe up north, maybe down south for the location. <laughs> for an age statement, they have umpteen years. <laughs> of course they do. That's very good. And they have uh, Boris listed as the master distiller. But a look on the website does provide a little bit more information about the liquid. So the whiskey was distilled in 2013 and will be bottled in August of this year. It's unpeated and there will be 250 bottles available at cask strength of 57%, which we hope is not a lie, but you never really know. Well, that's... <laughs> I don't want to say too much about that. But thank you very much, yeah. Nikki, for the booze and brews news for this week. A few delightful wee headlines in there. I don't know where you plucked them out, but I thoroughly enjoyed those. Uh, moving on to the next part of the show is where we set our, our question for the week ahead. And this week, uh, we are not got so much a question, but we're going to do a bit of a bit of an experiment of this or that. Do you want to tell us about what's coming up there? Yeah, we've just got some things ruminating on our head that we just want to understand, kind of this or that. Yeah, this kind of follows off the back of the petered or, you know, thumbs Yay up. Or nay. Yes or no, do you like petered whiskey? That went pretty well. So we thought, actually, let's experiment a bit further with this. What are some of the things we're going to ask? So it'll be stuff like black or white coffee. Red or white wine, neat or on the rocks, yeah. just sort of this or that. We just want to really do a bit of an experiment, gauge where people are at generally with drinks, and we will report back on that next week. If you're not already following us on Instagram, we are at Sips with the Tips. Give us a wee follow, keep an eye on our stories, and we'll have those for you throughout the week. And that's the last call bell for episode five of Sips with the Tips. As always, want to say a massive thank you to you, the listener, for sticking with us for today's episode. We do hope you've enjoyed uh, this comparative tasting of two wee steamship collection numbers from Bush Mills. And I hope that today's episode has perhaps inspired you to grab a couple of drinks, uh, similar or not, have them side by side and just see what happens. Today's show was brought to you by the aggressively beheaded chocolate rabbit that for some reason became the group's whiskey vessel of choice. His sacrifice shall remain in our hearts forever. Sips with the Tips is written, recorded and produced by us. The music by all good folks via Upbeat.io. Keep in contact at our website, sipswiththetips.com or through our Instagram at sipswiththetips. And as always, sip sensibly, savour the sip and we'll see you next Sunday. Sip with the Tips.